Good morning, MCA. Today's scripture reading is Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. This is the word of the Lord for us. In January of 2011, the U.S. House of Representatives opened their session by reading through the entire U.S. Constitution. That happened in 2011. It was the first time they had done that. It took them uh, between one and two hours to complete the reading. And you wonder, why did they do that? Why did they take time to read through the entire U.S. Constitution? Well... It seems to me that when you're governing our nation, it's critical that you go back and read the original document. (laughs) That you know what what it is. If if we have lawmakers and legislators who are making decisions based on the Constitution, then I think they should be well-versed in the Constitution. In fact, it's interesting because they've actually done that several more times uh, in the decade or so since that first time. So it seems like it's something that's become customary. They've not done it every year, but they've done it several times since then. I, I feel like, you know, it's, it's probably really hard to write and enforce laws if you don't know the founding principles. And that's really the message for us today as well. <laughs> no, not about the U.S. Constitution, but about the scriptures as it relates to our faith, of course. That, that the Bible is this guiding force for godly living and, and contains the good news of Jesus, the gospel. And so, just as government leaders need to be uh, staying true to the Constitution, so we, you and I, as followers of Jesus, are to look to the Scriptures. That's what, they, they inform us, they help us on our journey with the Lord, on our spiritual walk. In fact, uh, it's probably, uh, you all are aware of this, you recall that in 2022, last year, our church undertook the task of reading through the entire Bible. Uh, the Constitution takes an hour or two. Uh, the Bible takes three and a half days. If you remember, we read round the clock for three and a half days, Genesis through Revelation. Um, and I continue to hear from our church family, from you all, what a neat, powerful, amazing, awesome, cool, uh, and many other accolades that experience was. So again, thank you for doing that. And uh, what, what a cool thing to have read through the entirety of Scripture, three and a half days straight. And so this morning's sermon is really, really simple. Uh, we don't have children's church today. We've got all ages with us. <laughs> uh, so this, this is a sermon for all ages and for all grades, and it's really simple. The encouragement is to grow in our love for God's Word, to grow in our love for the Scriptures, and become even more disciplined in our study of scripture. Um, So let me introduce myself. I'm John. I serve as lead pastor here at MCA. Thrilled that you're with us today. And I'm praying that through our time together, your heart and home grow stronger in the Lord. So in this new year, we've started a sermon series called Maybe This Year. 
Maybe this year I'll get to all of those things and I'll become the person that God has for me to be. And really what we're doing is we're learning some basic foundational um, spiritual disciplines, tried and true practices that are going to help us and position us for growth. In fact, I can recap for you where we've been over the past couple weeks. In week one, we learned about the cell of personal spiritual discipline and the coracle of being sent by God to change and transform the places God has us. And for those of you who aren't here, you're like, what is he talking about? You might have to go back and listen to that one. (laughs) Uh, Celtic monks and what we learned from them. But uh, week two, we learned that it takes discipline to be a disciple because spiritual growth isn't automatic. It's intentional. And then last week, we talked about the spiritual discipline of worship, that, that worship is a spiritual discipline, and we're challenged to worship God with our actions and with our attitudes, and that the Lord calls us each and every day to worship him by surrendering to him. And so this morning, we're going to talk about the importance of studying God's word. Next week, we're going to conclude our series, and we're going to talk about prayer, growing in our prayer lives, and habits that we can form there. Uh, Let me say this. There are lots more spiritual disciplines, so we're only covering a few, Um, but there are lots of other spiritual disciplines, and good things, and things that can help you grow spiritually. So, Things like fasting, that's a spiritual discipline. Tithing is a spiritual discipline. Resting is a spiritual discipline, learning to do that well. Um, But I'll just say this, that the ones that we're choosing to highlight, so specifically talking about worship and study of scripture and prayer, um, are really important and even sort of foundational. Like, These will help position you even for success in other spiritual disciplines. Like if you you don't have these right, these are ones that really, really need to be in place. Um, You can tithe, but do with a greedy heart, (laughs) right? Um, Like you, you give outwardly, but you're not doing it cheerfully as an act of worship. And so that's why really understanding and practicing worship as a spiritual discipline positions us for tithing as a spiritual discipline. It's, it's the same for prayer and fasting. So fasting without praying is really silly. It's been said that fasting without praying is starvation. <laughs> um, or choosing Sabbath rest, choosing to, to rest but without dwelling on the truth of God's word during your time of resting. Like, that's just taking a break. Um, whereas the Bible says we are to hear God's voice, remember his commands, and then enter into his Sabbath rest so as not to be disobedient. The New Testament teaching on this is in Hebrews chapter 4, by the way, on, on entering into the, the Sabbath rest. In fact, uh, we're not going to go there this morning, but that might be a good place for you if you have time this week in your, in your devotions and quiet time to go to Hebrews chapter 4 and take note of how often in that passage... It refers to references to the scriptures. It's a, it's a passage. Hebrews 4 is about rest, entering into God's rest. But notice how much it talks about the message, the word of God, the scriptures. This is, of course, the passage in verse 12 where it says that the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And so I just want to be clear on that, that there are like plenty of spiritual disciplines and things that you could put in place and practice, and yet 
the ones that we're talking about and learning really kind of help inform and influence all of the rest. If, if we don't do them out of a place of worship and prayerful surrender and informed by scripture, then we're sort of just going through religious ritual and motions. And so uh, this morning, as well as next week as we talk about prayer, we're, as I said, these are tried and true disciplines, and they can lead us to practicing many more. So as we talk about the Bible this morning, and maybe that strikes you as sort of odd, like, why don't you just preach the Bible? Why are we talking about the Bible? Well, we're going to get into that. We'll get into Psalm 119, uh, which is just a beautiful psalm. But when it comes to the Bible, maybe your response is, I should read it. Like maybe, maybe as, as I talk about studying God's word and being a student and being disciplined in that, you're already at that place where you're like, yes, I, I should read the Bible. In fact, maybe you're even the kind of person who's like, I tell myself every January that I'm going to read the Bible more this year. <laughs> I'm, or I'm going to make it all the way through. You know, I'm going to do a Bible in a year plan. I'm not asking for a show of hands here, but I'm guessing that there are many among us who've done that before. It's January, and you go, this year, I'm going to read through the whole Bible, and you look up a Bible in a year plan, and you start on it only to fail, and you don't make it through. You, you fizzle out somewhere in Ezekiel or Numbers or somewhere. And so maybe kind of the motif of our sermon series hits you, where you go, I've said that before. Maybe this year, I'm going to make it a priority. And so you're already with me when it comes to studying the Bible. You know you should. You want to. You've told yourself you're going to. But so often, this is really interesting, as I talk with people about their study habits, there's one prevailing emotion that that bleeds through, and that is guilt. And I want you to know, I'll say this publicly, I'm not trying to cause guilt. If I ask you, what are you studying in scripture? What does your devotional life look like? I'm not trying to make you feel crummy and bad. And yet it's amazing how consistently when I talk with people about their devotional lives, the prevailing thought is guilt. Ah, I know I should be reading the Bible more. Ah, You know, I I really want to get back into the word. I've heard that even recently. I, I really, I want to get back into the word. Wow, another week rolled by and I didn't crack open my Bible and I feel bad about that. You know, and, and that just tells me that when I hear those things, we're viewing reading the Bible as this obligation. I know I should do it. I, it'd be really good if I did do it, but, uh, you know, it's like uh, recycling. I know I should do it. I feel guilty when I don't, but I don't always do it. Or visiting your grandmother. <laughs> Or flossing your teeth, right? It's an obligation. It's something you don't enjoy doing and you know you should do and you kind of feel bad when you don't. So I really want to try to take a different approach this morning. One that doesn't necessarily just guilt trip you and put you in that place of like beating yourself up because you've fallen short and you know you should do this. Why don't you visit granny more often? <laughs> Yes, I want to encourage you to study God's word. I mean, to be clear, in a nutshell, <laughs> like if you're, if you're the kind of person who tends to uh, zone out, you can get it right here up front. The encouragement this morning is become a student of God's word. Yes, I'm encouraging you to read God's word. And we're going to talk a lot more about that this morning. But I want to say this. In order to live out God's word, we must first love God's word. We must first love God's word. 
we talked about this just last Sunday um, in terms of worship. When you're not worshiping, the problem isn't your view of worship. The problem is your view of God. Big God, big worship. Small God, small worship. And, and it's really kind of the same way with the study of Scripture. The problem isn't the way you view Scripture. The problem isn't that you don't think that the Bible is good or exciting or powerful. That's not your problem. Your problem isn't your view of Scripture. Your problem is your view of God. Because God longs to know you and spend time with you, to speak to you, to guide you, bless you, strengthen you, instill hope in your life. And when you believe that, you're drawn into his word. When that's your view of God, you're enraptured by and you enjoy studying scripture. But when you think God is aloof or boring, then there's really no appeal. There's really no intrigue. There's really no interest in, like, if God doesn't have much to offer, you see what I'm saying here then why would I take my time to hear what he has to say? And so then we tend not to search out his direction from the word of God, to seek his counsel and, and read about the amazing stories of God working in the lives of people. But I think it's when you press on to know the Lord, you rightly understand who he is. And we can't understand the totality of God, no. We're limited in our thinking, but it's when we rightly understand that there is an all-powerful God who loves us and created us, and we press on to know him, and we're eager to learn about what he's done for us, and what he's like, and what he says to me. That's when you become a disciplined student of the Bible, and then you consume it like daily bread. You feast on it. You delight in it. You think about it. You ponder it. You explore it. And you know what happens? You get to know God better through his word. And then when you get to know God better, you want all the more <laughs> to walk in obedience to him. And you know what? His word has the power to help us walk obediently with him. So it's a beautiful thing. So I want you to turn in your Bible to Psalm 119. This is where we're going to spend the rest of our time together this morning. This is where Alicia read for us a few minutes ago. It's a passage that highlights the power and the beauty of God's word. It also happens to be the longest chapter in the Bible. It's sort of a chapter about the Bible, really. And it's the longest chapter in the scriptures. It's also an acrostic. 22 stanzas. And, and for a lot of English translations, you will see that. They'll, they'll actually give you the Hebrew letter, right? So you'll see Aleph and Beit, and Gimel, and Dalit. You'll see those. My, mine, uh, I've got the NIV, but it's actually got the little Hebrew character in there. Does anyone else have that in their Bibles? Where you actually get a, a view of, oh, that's what the Hebrew character looks like. That's really cool. So what it is, is it's 22 stanzas. The, the Hebrew alphabet has 22 characters. And so it's 22 stanzas, and each one has eight verses each, and each verse in a particular stanza begins with that same Hebrew letter. 
So just to be clear on this. So in verses 1 through 8, they all begin with, each of those verses begins with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which is Aleph. And then the second section, which is 9 through 16, they all begin with the letter Beit, and so on, all the way through. So sort of A to Z, right? All the way through, it's a beautiful acrostic poem. And so much of this entire psalm, the longest in the scripture, describes God's word. And so you'll see all sorts of different, even in this section that we're looking at, uh, synonyms for God's word, his laws, his judgments, his precepts, his statutes, his commands, his promises, his decrees. And my personal experience with Psalm 119, and I pray this is true for you as well, is that when you read it, when you study it, when you get into it, God uses this psalm to renew your love for his word. If you feel a little bit blah, a little bit bored by the Bible, this psalm is really the perfect solution. It is this sort of inspired devotional, and it's meant to increase our appetite for the word of God. That's why I want to preach from it this morning. (laughs) Um, This psalm is a lifesaver, literally. George Wishart was the first bishop of Edinburgh in the 1600s. George was sentenced to death by hanging. He comes to the day of his execution, and he's hoping for a pardon, but that pardon has not yet arrived. And it was uh, the custom in their day to allow the condemned person to call for the singing of a psalm (laughs) before he's put to death. You can maybe see where this is going. Well, old Wishart, he was a student of the scriptures and he knew that Psalm 119 was the longest of them all. So he says, what do I want? This is your last right. You're going to be executed. What do you want read beforehand? He says, give me Psalm 119. (laughs) And it said that before they even got to the hundredth verse, the pardon had arrived and his life was indeed spared. (laughs) so I do want to talk this morning a little bit about good Bible study as well. We are, we're going to get into the scripture. We're going to walk through this psalm in particular. Um, but in a nutshell, the approach I take to studying scripture is this threefold approach, right? And so um, we did have a group of us who did a how to study the Bible course together, and we learned this. It's observation, interpretation, application. So observation is where you start when you read a passage or a verse, and you, you're asking, what does the text say? Um, so we don't have time this morning to go through all 176 verses, uh, asking what it says, because we can ask a lot of questions and, and make a lot of, of observations. In fact, I read about a famous preacher who once preached 190 sermons from this particular Psalm, 190 sermons. That is, that is what, three years, three, four years worth? We're really just going to key in on the second part of Psalm 119, which is verses 9 through 16. Um, So observation, that's the first step. So when we look at this passage, what do I see? What does it say? Well, I observe that in this passage, 9 through 16, there is but one question that the psalmist poses. There's but one question, and it's asked at the very beginning of the passage. It begins with the question, verse 9, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? Of course, the rest of the verse provides the answer. (laughs) By living according to your word. That's observation. The next step is interpretation. It says, what does this mean? What, What does this mean? So, The way for me to stay pure 
is to obey God's word. It's to live in accordance to it. The, the third step is application. How do I live this out? How, how is this lived out in my life? How do I, so living according to your word is literally what it says in verse 9. That's the way we stay on the path to purity. So the number one way to pursue purity is to be in the word of God on a daily basis so that we are informed and influenced and able to abide by what God tells us to do, right? So then if we look at verse 12, to have the heart cry of verse 12 that says to the Lord, teach me your decrees. And I want you to see very clearly The difference between that obligation to read the Bible, like we've just talked about, that obligation, I know I need to visit granny, I know I need to brush my teeth, I know I should be recycling, I know I should probably get into the the Bible and read it. The shift from that sort of religious obligation to this point, verse 12, where we are pleading with the almighty, all-knowing God of the universe, Lord, I want to learn from you. Teach me your decree. And so we dig into the word, we memorize scripture, and we choose to believe what it says. We choose to believe what God says through his word. There's a downside to this as well. That is when we neglect the word of God. When we're not disciplined, when we don't regularly, habitually train our hearts and minds and lives in the word of God, when we don't develop this discipline of study, oh, we're still shaped, we're still formed. It's just not by the word. It's by the world. It's by, and here's the thing. Sometimes when you grow up in a, in a, in a church setting or in a community of faith, you're shaped even by church culture. Or dare I say, tradition. And that's just sad. Because we need to be shaped by, not tradition, not church culture, by the scriptures. By the words of Jesus, by the truth of God's word and what he says for our lives. I heard about this new pastor and he came into the church. And he wasn't quite sure where they were at in terms of their biblical literacy Uh, But he was preaching the word, and pretty soon the boy's Sunday school teacher uh, had an emergency come up and said, Pastor, I want you to teach my class. And so, okay, great, that's fine. So the pastor steps in, and he preaches the boy's Sunday school class. And he asks them, who knocked down the walls of Jericho? And none of them knew. They said they didn't know. Who had done it? Well, it just, it just bothered him. It just sort of festered in his heart and his mind. He's wondering, is this indicative of the church? It, does this, what does this reveal about these people? Um, he decided to actually bring it up the next time they had a church business meeting. <laughs> Listen, I don't know if this is a big deal, if this is not a big deal. It's just kind of bugging me. Like, I was in Sunday school. He tells the whole story. I asked these boys about the walls of Jericho and who knocked them down, and, and none of them knew who had done it. And the church, uh, the governing body there is just kind of quiet and silent. They can see like, man, this guy's getting kind of riled up here. What's the big deal? And then finally, one of them spoke up. Preacher, listen, we can tell that this is bothering you a lot, um, but we've known these boys since they were born. They are good boys. If they say they don't know who did it, then we believe them. Let's just take some money out of the maintenance fund and fix the walls. He was in trouble. 
And so I want to declare this morning that we need the scriptures. We will be in trouble. We will be off the rails if we are following anything other than the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, we read in Romans 10.7. So we choose to renew our minds, washed with the word, and his truth, the truth of God's word, ignites our faith. So, we need to discipline ourselves. That's what we're talking about over these several weeks, is, is growing in discipline, is positioning ourselves before the Lord, saying, Lord, what do you want for me this year? And if we sense him calling us to greater study of God's word, we choose to be disciplined in that way. Why? Because studying God's word gives you guidance. Do you need direction? Do you need wisdom? Like when you're standing at the crossroads and you need to make a decision, what's it based on? Is it based on follow your heart? Go with your gut. I mean, I hear that regularly, don't you? That's what the world tells us is to follow your heart and to go with your gut. Or maybe you just say, uh, looks like everyone else is doing this, and so that's what I'll do. When you're standing at the crossroads and you need to make a decision, how do you make that decision? You seek the Lord. You diligently study and meditate on his word and his truth. And you make life choices that only align with God's will. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we're in Psalm 119. Let's look at verse 10. It says, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. God promises to be with us, to guide us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You've heard that in Psalm 23. And it's then that we live out the purpose of God for our life, like the reason he made you. I think we asked that in our Sunday school hour like a month or so ago. We talked about purpose. It was like, what's your purpose? And if you don't know it, Ask God, God, what is my purpose? For what reason did you create me and place me here? And so it's in that place of seeking God's guidance that he reveals to you why he made you. And then you begin to have a better sense of like why I am here in this community or in this workplace or in this family or in this school or in this marriage. Why I have the unique abilities and gifts and perspective and experiences that I've got. Why do you think so many people are miserable? Because they're chasing after the wrong things. People are miserable because they're working and they're striving and they're struggling and they're weary and they're exhausted, but they're chasing after things that are meaningless that are futile. And they're, they're forcing their lives down paths, down routes that God doesn't have for them. They're not taking the path 
that God has designed them for. And so why do we need to be a disciplined student of God's word? Because it gives us guidance. You study the word of God and through it, he guides you in life. Studying God's word also gives you joy. I think this is one of the greatest misperceptions about followers of Jesus, that that we're boring. People have this misperception about Christians that, that, well, when you're a a Christian, then you cannot have any fun. Like, Like God just has this big list of don'ts. Like, you can't do this, and you can't do that, and you can't have any fun, and you're forced to adhere to all of these rituals and rules. And I think sometimes we even fall prey to this kind of thinking, like, well, the real fun, that's in worldliness and sin. No. Again, I say, no. The real fun is not in the worldliness and the sin, and we just have to not participate in that because the reward is coming someday. Jesus says very clearly in John 10, 10, he came so that we might have life and have it abundantly. That's a lie that the real fun is worldliness and sin. The real fun, and I realize it's much more than that, it's life. It's life eternal and life abundant and life overflowing with joy is a life in Christ. This side of eternity, enjoying him and walking with him, and forever in paradise. And so we see this in verse 14. We're in Psalm 119. I rejoice in following your statutes. Oh, may that be true of us. I rejoice in following the word of God. And and then uh, there's this comparison made. As one who rejoices in great riches. <laughs> like, like, can you imagine the excitement? I noticed that um, there was a Mega Millions uh, lottery drawing on Friday night. It was $20 million and nobody won. And so now it's going to be on Tuesday and it's now $30 million plus And more people are going and buying lottery tickets and just hoping for $30 million. And can you imagine the person who wins that jackpot? And their family and their friends and all the people that used to be their friends that try to become their friends again. And the rejoicing. You just became a millionaire. You got $30 million. That should be our reaction when we walk in God's way. That's what the psalmist says here. Psalm 119 and verse 14. I rejoice in following your statutes. Yay! You did it! God's word has directed my life. Praise God for the abundant life that he gives us. And again, this is an abundant life this side of eternity. And when we get to heaven, (laughs) I mean, it's going to be the biggest banquet beyond what you could ever imagine. Studying God's word gives us joy. Finally, studying God's word gives you comfort. So where else do you turn when life gets hard? Where else would you go when you're confused or hurting or scared or sad? Turn to the Lord. Turn to Christ. Seek him even with desperation and seek him in his word. It's in that place when when you need comfort that you scour God's word to find comfort. You sense his nearness. You find strength. And so I want to encourage you with this again today. Press on to know the Lord through his word. 
Seek his heart and his plan and his will. And you will find comfort in his presence. You will find comfort in the words of scripture. You know, and and maybe you are convicted today. I told you right up front, that's not my goal and that's not my heart. But maybe that is your response where you're feeling guilty and you're feeling sort of crummy. And you're like, I've not been disciplined in studying scripture. Well, I do have a suggestion for you right here, right now. Confess that to the Lord. Lord, I'm sorry for the way that I've neglected your word. Lord, I'm sorry that I've been undisciplined in studying your word. I'm sorry that I've gone to other places. I've gone to other things. And my life and heart and mind have been shaped and formed by things other than your, the truth of your word. So that's my encouragement is confess it to the Lord. Ask his forgiveness and thank him that he calls you to himself. And resolve that with the Lord's help, you will be able to say, I have not neglected the word of God. That's what it says in verse 16. We're in Psalm 119. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. If you want to make this resolution, if today you're saying to, the God, to, to God, yes, I want, thank you, Lord, for beckoning me. And I'm intrigued, Lord. I know your great love for me, and I want to spend more time with you in your word. I've got a few suggestions for you, and it begins with, you've got to plan it. Most of the things that happen in your life don't happen by accident. They happen because you've intentionally planned for and positioned for them to happen. And so schedule your quiet time. I am going to meet with the Lord. I'm going to get into his word at this time. It might be morning, it might be night, it might be middle of the day, whatever works for you. What does your schedule allow for? Maybe it's different from one day to the next based on the meetings and the demands on your schedule, but put it in your planner. And along with that, decide what you will study as well. So sometimes we've, we've gone through that rigmarole of I, I've made a plan, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to study, but then we go, uh... They repeated these words. Do you think it's a small matter to become the king's son-in-law? Hmm, what's God saying through that verse? Like, come on. Have a plan. Choose a devotional that's going to take you deeper in Bible study. Or, or choose a book of the scriptures that you want to study. I'm going to read through this particular book, through this particular passage. You, you have a plan for what you're going to study. Also, find a Bible translation that you can read and understand. (laughs) Don't just use some old, archaic, outdated translation. We've got a ton of good English translations. Get one that you can understand. Or, if you've studied the scripture over and over and over and over, but in the exact same translation, get a different translation. Read through the Bible in a translation that you've not read through it before. You'll be amazed at how it hits you in ways that are fresh. You'll be surprised at what you gain when you hear the scripture in a translation that you haven't studied before. But more than that, more importantly than uh, scheduling it and, and positioning yourself for those things. Those are practical. Those are tactical. Those are the nuts and bolts of it. Are you serious about having victory over sin in your life? Like that, that's where God meets us at the heart level. If we're serious about having victory over sin, 
the best way is through getting into the Word of God. And I would even, I would even push us there to say memorizing Scripture. When you memorize the Bible, a verse of the Bible, you have it with you. Anytime, anywhere. It's always at your disposal. You can think about it. You can be strengthened by it. You can meditate on it. Maybe this year, you can say, with the help of God, I have not neglected his word. The late Billy Graham did an interview at age 92. He said if he had, his, if he had the opportunity to live his life over again, he would study more. He said, I'd take less speaking engagements and I would spend more time reading the word of God. Of course, the goal in studying scripture is so that we walk in obedience to what God has for us. James 1.22 tells us very clearly, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So in our three-step process of Bible study, we cannot just do observation and interpretation and stop there. We've got to go on to application. How is this lived out in my life? What does this look like for me? We need God's wisdom applied to our lives. Without God's wisdom applied to our lives, we will wander, we will stumble, we'll be in the darkness. Oh, but isn't God's word a treasure? Isn't it a delight and a joy when you hear the good news? When you read stories of God's faithfulness? It helps us to stay on the path of purity. We saw this in verse, verse 9. It says, stay on the path of purity. Are you hiding God's word in your heart? That's what the psalmist said in verse 11. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Oh, we need the word of God. The Lord calls us. He invites us to pursue him, to press on to know him through the discipline of studying his word. How thankful I am that our God gives us guidance as we study his word, that he gives us joy as we study his word, that he gives us comfort as we grow in our love for God's word. Let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, we look to you. You are the source of all wisdom and truth. You have a good and perfect plan for each one of us. And so, Lord, thank you that you beckon us and call us into that abundant life of serving you and following you and knowing you. I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would help us to be disciplined to grow in our love for your word. That we might not just be hearers of it, but doers, Lord, for your glory and for your sake. So, Lord, we pray that you would accomplish all of these things. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.